Well, what a moment for our congregation. I just took off my shoes. In scripture, when we are on holy ground and when we are with special guests, we take off our shoes to uh, just acknowledge the holiness of this moment. I also want to acknowledge the holiness of this moment because we have some other dear friends with us, uh, Bob and Judy at the back, if you want to wave. Bob has not been able to be with us because of health. And for our guests from Africa, Bob and Judy worked in Africa for 17 years uh, in Malawi, South Africa, Botswana, and Kenya. So uh, we're very grateful to have you with us. I'm wondering if also all the other folks in our church who lived and worked in Africa would just stand up. We have some others. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Please be seated. So let us pray together. Every good, every perfect thing comes to us from the one above. Dear God, for all of your gifts, we say to you, thank you. Thank you. Amen. So next Sunday afternoon, 50 women and girls from our congregation will be gathering here in our church for the Secret Sister Big Reveal. <laughs> and all of us men are jealous. To find out who has been the one who has been secretly giving gifts to them every couple months for the past year. And you know, if you think about it, the Bible also opens with a big reveal, but with cosmic proportions. It's a story of God, the giver of life, creating the heavens with its billions of galaxies, apparently 200 billion, and our home here on planet Earth. And then God goes on a giving spree. Whales and dolphins, tigers and giraffes, flamingos and orioles. Ah, <laughs> God is so good. And then God creates us, humanity, and gives each of us, breathes into us the very breath of life. God looks out over all of creation and calls all of it, no, 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 very good, very good, fantastic, awesome, God's cosmic wow. And you and I are part of God's very good. Friends, take a look at your bulletin cover today.
In Psalm 24, we hear the Bible's radical claim that the earth belongs to God and not to empires and not to corporations and not to billionaires and trillionaires. Amen? We live in a given world, a world of gift from God, the giver. In fact, if God were to stop giving, we would all stop existing. And to connect with this reality, let's now take our next given breath together. And let's say to God together, thank you. Thank you for that breath. Meister Eckhart, the 14th century Christian mystic said, if the only prayer that we ever pray in our whole life is just thank you, it'll be enough. Thank you. Our whole world is God's gift that keeps on giving if it is well cared for. And so God has entrusted to us a very crucial role to be stewards, to be caretakers of the earth and of every part of our lives. And for what purpose? To participate in God's flow of endless giving and receiving and sharing so that all people and all creatures may flourish together. Isn't that beautiful? And then through the children of Israel, and most clearly through our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn of God's special concern that God's free flow of material gifts might always reach those who need them the most. And who are these folks? They are the orphan, the widow, the refugee, and the poor, sometimes called God's quadrilateral of vulnerability. And what is sin then from the Bible's perspective, but our claiming that we have earned what God has actually given us? Sin is tied up in calling things mine instead of God's and ours. It's tied up in hoarding resources instead of using them and sharing them for the purposes for which they've been given to us. Injustice is tied up in our thinking that we, me, I am the final destination for God's gifts. No, they're not meant to stop with you and me. They are meant, we are meant and invited to participate in this great flow of giving and receiving. As it says so beautifully in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do we have that we did not receive? Nothing. And if we received, why do we boast as if it were not a gift? Why do we do that? 
Now, if you're sitting there scratching your head today and saying, hey, preacher, <laughs> I mean, all of this, every single bit of what you're talking today is completely counter to the way our world is imagined and organized and run. Well, you're right. You're right. And one of the reasons, one of the big reasons that we need to belong to a faith community is so that we can help each other to keep reimagining our lives and this world in the radical upside-down kingdom way that God intends and that Jesus models. I once heard a preacher, or heard about a preacher, who every year when Stewardship Sunday rolls around, preaches his Sermon on the Amount. Are you with me? The Sermon on the Amount. Now, you got to admit, it's pretty clever, right? But sadly, it re reinforces the common idea that we all have that stewardship is only about our money, the amount, rather than all of our lives. And it also lets us all happily assume that only 10% of our money actually belongs to God rather than all of it. Just the sermon on the little amount that we owe to God. And so, dear friends, in our congregation stewardship series, these next two months, we're giving it some time. We're going to be pulling our lens way, way back for the big picture to show that stewardship, while definitely being about our money, is also about how we care for all the other parts of our lives. Our church, our talents, our bodies, the created world. What we want to do is catch a vision for joining God's free flow of endless giving and receiving to be able to see a world of abundance where there is no scarcity because we're all sharing. And it all begin, begins, I believe, not by stoking a sense of obligation or guilt, but by inspiring our gratitude to God the giver. So in our gospel reading today from Luke, it's a wonderful story. Jesus and his disciples are walking from Galilee to Samaria. And as they near a village, 10 desperate people afflicted with leprosy approach them. Now in their day, such a disease meant that these 10 are desperately isolated and alone. And to make this situation even more edgy than it already is, at least some of these 10, at least one of them, 
is a, a Samaritan. The foreigners that Jesus and his disciples have grown up learning to hate and to shun. And so now Jesus, a Jew, does something absolutely shocking. He actually sees the ten. Go look at your story later on. It says that Jesus sees the ten. Dear friends, just action often just begins with just seeing. You with me? Just action invariably begins with just seeing people. Now, Jesus tells the ten to go present themselves to their priests. And in a wonderful turn in the story, along the way, they discover, lo and behold, they're healed. (laughs) And it's now that our story gets really, really interesting. Nine of the ten only see a positive change in their dermatological condition. Right? But one of them sees that God has acted through Jesus and returns crying out his loud thank you, thank yous to Jesus. We all know the story of the Good Samaritan. But here, dear friends, is the story of the grateful Samaritan who sees things in the world as they really are, a world of gift from God the giver. A world of gift from God the giver. So in closing this morning, I want to leave all of you with a challenge. Don't worry, it's not, this isn't the Sermon on the Amount. I want to challenge all of us, beginning tonight, to start keeping a gratitude journal. Keep it on your nightstand. Here's mine. And end each day, it takes all of 30 seconds. And end each day by jotting down two or three things, 10 if you want to, great or small, for which you're grateful. And families and households, if you wish to, you can just do this at the dinner table, at supper, and share with one another the things for which you're grateful to God. Name them, see them, and then say to God, thank you, thank you. I've been keeping this gratitude journal for the past two months. And do you know what got it first going? The gift of being able to visit Alan Shirk the day before he went home to God. And friends, that moment was so holy so holy that I did something as a pastor that I've never, never done before. And I have a witnesses here. On your behalf, when I was saying goodbye to Ellen, I leaned over and kissed him on the forehead. For all of you, our goodbye 
to our dear brother Alan. Grateful for his precious life. And in this little notebook, if you were to open it, you'd also find jottings of gratitude about Ferris wheel rides with Danette and Jasmine. A little glass drop that Ava Lesher gave me when I was visiting her family. Sightings of birds in a blue Conestoga and seeing the first maple tree blazing with one of you here. And after the news of his death, a big thank you to have been able to be loved by our dear Richard Carney. And then yesterday, I jotted down last night that the jazz band in Penn Square was so awesome, fantastic, wow, that I closed my eyes and right in the middle of Penn Square just started dancing. Keeping a little notebook radically shifts our focus from what's missing in our lives, which is what we often focus on, to what's right there already in front of us. It pulls us out of America's terrible rat race of endless consuming and coveting. That's wrecking our planet and wrecking our lives and making us miserable. It helps us to finally see that we live in a given world, a world of gift given from God. And it sets us free. It liberates us to live in a generous way that reflects the lavish generosity of God. Amen.